here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. God's love is an action towards us, not a reaction to us. You may have had a good week. You may have had a bad week. You may have stumbled and fallen. Or you may have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. It doesn't alter God's love for you. Did you catch that? God's love is an action toward us, not a reaction. Pastor Ed today spends some time on one of the most famous verses of the Bible, John 3.16. The point is this, God will love us no matter what. Really, no matter what. Nothing we can do wrong and nothing we can do right can diminish or change the amount of love that God is giving us. He wants to pour out blessings on us to show us how precious we are to Him. Remember this, God will never, never stop loving you. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, God's Amazing Gift of Love. One of the most powerful passages of Scripture are one of the most familiar passages of Scripture. It's funny, when you live near a church that has bells that ring, you become accustomed to the sound, and you no longer hear the bells. It's like those in the city who live near the trains. You just become accustomed to the sound of the train. We could become so familiar with the great truths of Scripture that we fail to see the beauty and their value. The gospel, in a nutshell, is found in one verse of Scripture. This verse condenses all the great truths. And this verse points us to the way of salvation. You learned it in Sunday school. It was one of the first memory verses you ever learned. John 3.16. Going to read from the New King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a jewel. What a truth. How important. How essential. That this verse is understood and then proclaimed. Because people's destiny hangs on the truth of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The title of my message this morning is God's Amazing Gift of Love. God's love is an action towards us, not a reaction to us. You may have had a good week. You may have had a bad week. You may have 
stumbled and fallen. Or you may have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. It doesn't alter God's love for you. It's the same yesterday, today, and absolutely forever. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist pastor of generations ago. He would preach in the United States. He founded Moody Church and Moody Bible Institute. He preached in the United States and he would go over to Britain, to England to preach. And one time when he was over in England, he was talking to a young preacher, Henry Morehouse, and he just sort of said, as a matter of being polite, well, if ever you come to the United States, I'll have you preach at my church. And after he said it, he said, well, I never heard this guy preach. He sort of regretted saying it. Well, sometime later, he received the phone call. It was Henry Morehouse. He said, I'm in New York City, and I'm coming to Chicago. Well, Dio Moody was a little bit in the quandary. He said, I, I don't know if he could even preach. I don't know. So he talked to his elders in this church. He talked to his wife, and they said, well, have him preach, and we'll see how it, he does. So that Sunday, D.L. Moody had to be out of town, and Henry Morehouse preached. When D.L. Moody came back, he said to his wife, how did it go? She looked at him and said, he's a better preacher than you. (laughs) And he preached that God loves sinners. D.L. Moody was taken back. God loves sinners. His message was mostly hell, fire, and brimstone. And D.L. Moody said, I don't know about that. And then the next week they had Morehouse preach again. And he preached on John 3.16. And it changed D.L. Moody's ministry. He began the focus and to preach on the love of God. It changed their whole church. In fact, they put a huge sign in that church, God is love. I don't know if you remember the old hymn by F.M. Lehman's on God's love. Lehman's wrote a hymn on God's love, and one of the stanzas reads, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Not many people know that the fourth stanza of that hymn wasn't penned by Lehman, but it was added later. These words were found on the wall of an insane asylum where obviously a man came to know the love of God. And this is the words that were written on that insane asylum and these are the words of that fourth stanza. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above 
would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. God's love is absolutely incredible. And the last line of that hymn says, Though stretched from sky to sky, nor could the scroll contain the whole, then stretched from sky to sky. God's amazing love. To be able to comprehend just a small measure of it would change our lives, would make us different. You know when you know somebody loves you and they go a second mile and a third mile and they exhibit it, you want to respond. Well, let's look at John 3.16 and I divided it into three points. The fact of God's love. The fact of God's love. For God so loved the world. Think of what that says. The creator. Almighty God. The sustainer. Loved the world. He didn't need us. He could have just destroyed this rebellious planet with fire from heaven and obliterated the race. But he loved us, so loved us. God's love for us is not a matter of qualities within us. It's a matter of his character. It's a matter of who he is. What was it that moved God to redeem us? What was it that God would show an interest in us? What was that motivation? The motivation again? For God so loved the world. It was simply love. Think of it. A rebellious, self-willed people who had chosen to shake their fist in the face of God and said, we want to do it our way. God loves us. That's amazing. Jesus Christ did not have to twist the Father's arm and say, I want to go down and die for humanity. No. It was God the Father that sent God the Son. For in John eight forty two, it says, Jesus said to them, For I proceeded forth and came from God... Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. We mattered to God. He saw us through the eyes of love. He sees the world through the eyes of love. He lifts us out of our insignificance because of his deep love for humanity. The mission of the Son was the consequence of the Father's love. God so loved this world. Now, when you think of that, you think of the focus. He loved, what? The world. For God so loved the world. All that that involves. The pimp and the prostitute, and the missionary, 
and the preacher. He loves them. He loves the gambler and the thief and the robber as well as a person who is motivated by altruistic motives to help and serve. He loves the terrorist and the Peace Corps worker. He loves women and men, those who are old and neglected in a nursing home, and those that are young, ready to start out in life. He loves Jew and Arab. He loves the person who never darkens the doors of this church and the person who is here every time the doors are opened. He so loved the world. If we could begin to comprehend his love for us, his love for the world, it would change literally the way we live. No matter where a person's been, no matter what a person's done, God loves them. He loves the pedophile. He loves the person on death row. And he loves the kindest and most generous of saints. It was Martin Luther who said, God's love, just as a mother's love is stronger than the filth on a child, the love of God toward us is stronger than the dirt that clings to us. God loves this world. He loves humanity. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past, no matter your failures or your successes, it doesn't change God's love for you. The love is in God. It's not that we are lovely. It's that God is a lover. It's in his nature to love lost humanity. What's the evidence of that love? It's found in John 3.16 again. That he gave his only begotten son. That's the evidence of God's love. That he gave. The greatest gift was, that ever was given was given by God. Because he's the greatest lover that ever was. And he gave the greatest gift. His love demanded that he give. And true love demands that we give. Look at the greatest gift ever given. The greatness of the gift. He gave his only begotten son. God could give nothing better, nothing greater. There's nothing more that God could have done than what he did to demonstrate his love. He gave the greatest possible thing that he had his son I think of Abraham and Isaac when Abraham was bringing Isaac to Mount Moriah to offer him up and the child asked Isaac asked the wood you know the altar where's the sacrifice and how that must have pierced Abraham's heart when he said God will provide a lamb Abraham put his son on that altar. He raised his hand to take his son's life and offer him to God. And the message came from heaven. Abraham, you can stop. Now I know that you love me. 
You love me. God the Father raised his hand to strike his son on Calvary and no one and nothing stopped him. His love for you and me was so great that he allowed Jesus to suffer judgment in our place. Parents, you have children. Would you give a son, would you give a daughter for your enemy? We were enemies of God. We had rebelled. We had turned our backs on him. We had chosen sin rather than righteousness. But yet God loved us. And the evidence of that love is that he offered his son to satisfy justice It's incredible to think about God's love for you or for me. He would have offered Jesus if you were the only person that ever walked the planet because he loved you and wants you to spend eternity in heaven with him. The greatness of the gift, the costliness of that gift. In Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Think about the costliness. It wasn't only the son that suffered, it was the father that suffered. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father turned his face away from his son in wrath and anger as he poured out judgment upon his son. Mystery of mysteries. He who was no sin became sin. God experienced something on Calvary that he had never experienced in all eternity past and in all eternity future. He experienced Sin in all its horror and ugliness. How can you weigh the painfulness of that experience? A holy God experiencing sin, our unholiness. A God who knew perfect unity suddenly that unity disrupted the triune God at that moment who had been one felt separation. We know that divorce is one of the most painful experiences for anyone to go through. God experienced at that moment the great divorce. How can you measure the suffering of God in that moment because God has a perfect memory and he will never forget. The nail prints in his hands, the prints from the thorns on his head, the wound in his side will be a reminder for all eternity of the sacrifice that he made, the father made, the son made, so that you could be with him in all eternity. 
the cost was incredibly great, a pain that God will never, ever, ever forget. The greatness of the gift, the costliness of the gift, the fact that God loves us. He was motivated by love, not by your worthiness or anything in you that could attract him to you. No, no, it was God's love for you. He was motivated. His focus was this lost, rebellious, dying world. He didn't redeem the angels that rebelled from heaven. He didn't redeem those who had rejected him in that angelic host, but he chose to redeem lost humanity. What's the goal of God's love? John 3.16 again. That whoever... I love that word. Whoever, no one is excluded. That whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's eternal life. It's believing in Christ. Believing in Jesus. That's all that God asks. So simple. To put your trust, to put your confidence, to put your faith in what he did on Calvary's cross, that he paid it all, and there's nothing that you can do to add to it or subtract from it. It's all done. We make the mistake. We're so prone to trust in works. No, it's not in our theology. It's not in our statement of faith. It's said in our statement of faith that we believe in Christ's atoning death, and that's what our trust is. But We are prone to begin to think, oh God, you'll hear me now because of the money I've given to the church. Or because of my attendance on Sunday morning services. Or because I've done this for you or that for you. And and Lord, I've prayed or I've read my Bible or I've not done this and I've done this. All of our good works are like filthy rags before the Lord. None of those things qualify us to God. We have to trust in one thing and one thing alone, the cross of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been in this church for 50 years or 50 days, there's only one means of salvation. It's the cross of Christ. Whether you've been saved one day or a a thousand days, it's only the blood of Christ that saves you. Amen. Believing in Christ, that means putting absolute trust and confidence in him. We are to know the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. Read those, know those. They're important too because they state our faith. But it's more than mental assent to the truth. It's more than somehow having this knowledge in our heads. It's a trust a complete confidence in him. All of you, when you came in this morning, you were confident that the pew that you sat in would hold you up or else you'd be still standing. But you put your full trust in it. You didn't think it would collapse underneath you. And that's what it means to trust. You put your full weight and trust in him. Nicodemus, a believing Jew, who believed in Yahweh, but yet did not know Yahweh and was not saved. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.